Michael Bailey returns with his DCAU expertise. And we talk about Supergirl's initiation in Justice League Unlimited. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we've got special guest Michael Bailey here to talk about Kara's first mission in Justice League Unlimited, which originally aired on July 31st, 2004. Michael is the co-host of From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, He's a staff writer and co-host of Radio KAL Live over at the Superman homepage, and he has a blog called The Fortress of Baileytude. Welcome back to Supergirl Radio, Michael. Oh, thanks for having me back. Uh, I had a really good time the first time, so it's it's great to be back so soon. (laughs) Yay! Um, Yeah, no, it was was a great discussion uh, on the last episode you were here, so yeah, let's get right down to it. Uh, We are talking about Justice League Unlimited... Season one, episode one, called Initiation. And I have to say, I really, <laughs> I really love Kara in this episode. Um, I think this is probably one of my favorite incarnations of Kara. Um, but I want to get uh, to what you guys have to say about it first. Uh, Michael, why don't you start? What did you think of, of the character of Kara Zorel in this episode? You know, I, I liked that she was brash and impulsive. And it's like she made it okay to make mistakes when you're on your first mission. Like her messing up in the few times she did or or maybe going a little too gung-ho didn't reflect badly on her as a character. It was a learning exercise. Uh, you know, it seemed to drive Jon Stewart crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I think it, it really spoke to her as a character – that, you know, this was her first big mission. This was her first time. I mean, there's that exchange between John and John uh, at the beginning of the episode where, you know, one of them, I forget which one, said, well, she's got to start at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So so now they're pushing her out there, and she has to learn, you know, she she's, she's the solo heroing thing. She's teamed up with Batgirl, but she's never really worked as a unit. And that that takes uh, that takes a little bit of, of getting used to. So I really liked how they played her in this one. Yeah, she had a real spunky personality, much like she did on Superman the Animated Series, because that's sort of a, a bleed through from from that series. But uh, I, I liked all of her her little personality bits with Captain Adam. There's definitely yes. there's definitely a, a, a contrast of personalities that come into play there. She even sticks her tongue out at him. At one point, so I, I enjoyed how she sort of embraced her her youthfulness and her her impulsiveness versus some of those more serious types in the Justice League. 
Definitely. And I think I, I love, first of all, the, the, we'll talk about Nicole Tom's uh, performance in the role in a second. Um, but I feel like it was a, uh, words, it was a joint effort between that performance and the animation uh, that really made her. Because like the, you know, tongue sticking out and the, the facial expressions that she gave every time Captain Adam said something that was uh, a little too stick in the mud for her. Um, <laughs> Like her pouting, her saluting, her, you know, <laughs> kind of making fun of him behind his back. I thought it was great. And, uh, uh, and it's a testament to the animation as well that all of her, like, secret behind his back stuff played so well. And also I thought it was interesting that she and uh, Green Arrow, since they are kind of both getting started, that they have such similar personalities. And I thought that was interesting. Like, I love kind of that wink that that green arrow gives her when they're on uh, on the plane and she's making fun of captain arrow uh captain arrow captain adam <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know she gets you know a look and then she turns to look at green arrow and green arrow is like yeah i totally get it yeah they're they're similar and they're also very different because this is their first mission with the justice league for both of them but in in my mind kara wants to be there and green arrow doesn't really <laughs> No, he's, he's kind of uh, he's kind of going along with it just to kind of check it out. But I think if he had his way, he wouldn't be a part of it. But Kara's like, hey, let me go. I'm, you know, it's about time. You know, you're going to let me drive the javelin, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so she she definitely has a, a different personality than he does in the sense that she really wants to be in there and be part of the team. And he's very much a, a, a lone Ranger. Yeah, and I think that um, it's interesting that they have the similar personalities in that they're both very kind of casual and of the people. You know, they both have a very similar, I don't care much for rules. I don't care much for, you know, whatever. I just, I, I do this because I want to help and forget about things like manners and protocol. Like, let's just get this done. It's very, like, quick and dirty. Um, and I think they respond to that in each other. Whereas everybody else seems kind of more formal about their helping people and they all have to wait for a Martian Manhunter to, you know, give them orders where to go, how to do it. And they both kind of don't want to wait for that. Well, Green Arrow, uh, I, one, I wonder who people who've only ever watched Arrow and then may catch this, what they think of Green Arrow in the show, because <laughs> it's, it is more of the traditional comic book uh, up until that, uh, up until this point or when it, when it aired in 2004, at least, you know, kind of the, the typical, you know, Green Arrow was the liberal superhero. He was the one that that fought for the common man and had a fortune, lost it, and now he's just kind of on the streets of Star City, uh, you know, doing his thing. And now, then you have Stephen Amell's Arrow, who's a little more intense. Uh, I, is yeah. intense the right word, or is it, or is that even, <laughs> is that kind of? A, <laughs> yeah, he's he's Batman with a bow. Yeah, so. So him getting pulled into the 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 Justice League, it's basically a giant like tricking him into joining the team. You know, the, you know they they pull him up, they pull him up to the satellite, they let him go on a mission, and then afterwards they show him Black Canary. I mean, they do everything <laughs> yeah. they can through the course of this episode to get him to stay. Uh, I don't think the Black Canary thing was on purpose, but it was a nice little touch there right at the end of the episode. It, it so. definitely worked. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. so, that was the thing that did work all the other stuff yeah. he couldn't have cared less like <laughs> he was like wait hot girls yes I'm here I'm in <laughs> yeah I actually wish 
that Arrow had more of a, a vibe of this Green Arrow because the, the Green Arrow and Justice League Unlimited is my favorite version of Green Arrow. But yeah, I think it's fitting actually that he and Kara save the day together. I mean, yeah. there are some other mm-hmm. people who kind of help out, but he's the he's the one who shoots the the thing at the robot and and then she's the one who comes in and super punches the head off. <laughs> so yeah. they're the yeah. ones who uh team up to save the day and I think that's really fitting because it was both of their initiations into the Justice League. And I both I love that they both have that same kind of level of impetuousness, but that they both kind of they have the best intentions. And even if, and it's funny because Green Arrow's an adult, like, you know, Kara, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, is still a child. Like she has an excuse to be so impetuous. Like Green Arrow's just, you know, <laughs> he just can't get a handle on himself. Um, no, but I think it's interesting that they have that character trait in common. And uh, and yeah, that they both got to save the day together. Perhaps in a in a more impatient way than some of the others might have, but they still got the job done. And I do love that uh, John Stewart acknowledges that at the end. He, he at first he's like reprimanding her and being like, you know, you you screwed up. You if you ever endanger your team like that again, we're gonna kick you out of the Justice League. I don't care who your cousin is, <laughs> but you did good. Yeah, <laughs> it's a compliment sandwich. I mean, it's. It's what every, you know, manager is supposed to do. Yeah, and I think she was wanting that validation from somebody in the league to let her know that she had done that she had done good. She says, aren't you going to give me the you did good speech? So I (laughs) I think it was nice that Green Lantern, who had been so hard on her the whole time, finally said, you know what, you did you did do good. Well, well, that's kind of John Stewart's personality, though. I mean, you know, he, you know, he's he's a marine, so mm. he's got that kind of military attitude, which is probably why, you know, he was a little more concerned about Captain Adam, uh, you know, just in general, you know, just in the general being concerned of a fellow hero uh, being in trouble, but also I think you know they're both military, so there's a connection there. But he's going to have that kind of drill instructor attitude more so than any of the other Magnificent Seven that were part of the original lineup of this Justice League. Because Hawkgirl's gone by this point hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. of the whole thing with Starcrossed. Superman's there to give the speech and make everybody laugh. Batman's there to sit in the shadows because that's what Batman does. <laughs> you know, Wonder Woman, you know, is when we finally see her in, in, in this series, uh, in Justice League Unlimited at least, she's having anger management problems. So, uh, in the the Hawk and Dove episode. So it's just, John has to be the one to kind of pull it all together because they turned Martian Manhunter into Panthro Mm. from the Thundercats and just had him sit at the headquarters (laughs) giving instructions. I thought it was interesting though. I watched the, 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 like the kind of the bonus feature on uh, the first disc of this, uh, DVD set. And they were talking about Martian Manhunter, how he was, you know, a policeman in his, you know, quote, secret identity. And so it was sort of like him being the uh, the person at the police station who gives all the orders and sends all the, the you know, the squads out. So I, I thought that was interesting. Getting back to uh, to Kara and, and the performance for a second, um, let's talk a little about Nicole Tom and the, the performance she gives uh, in this episode and uh, in the series. I think she's great. I think it's amazing that with all of the Superman characters, when they cast their voice parts, they always seem to cast somebody that could physically play the character in real life, too. 
And, you know, Tim Daly in 1996 could have easily been Superman. You know, Clancy Brown could have been Lex Luthor. Dana Delaney could have been Lois Lane. And since my wife got on this whole kick where she was watching reruns of The Nanny over and over again, I got to see what Nicole Tom actually looked like. And she was (laughs) a young girl. She was a young girl in the 90s who could have easily been Supergirl. So it's just like I I think that's it. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to look like the character, but I think it's it's interesting that they they seem to cast these people that can easily play the characters as well. I think she she brings that kind of impetuousness just with her voice. I mean, there's a lot of sight gags. I mean, her sticking out her tongue and then giving the big Bruce Tim smile, hmm. uh, you know, and, and and trying to get out of it. But you know, she. She had to dig deep and be, you know, give a lot of gravitas, especially during the fight scenes. So I really enjoyed it. That's a really cool point that you make about how the voice actress could still play the character in, physically in real life. Because I think the same, same thing goes for Molly Quinn, who is on Castle currently. And well, actually, I don't know. I'm like nine episodes behind Castle, but I assume she's still <laughs> on the show. Um, but yeah. she, but she uh, did a voice performance of Supergirl, which we will get into later on in, on Supergirl Radio. But uh, mm-hmm. but I, I think that uh, of her as well is that she could easily play Supergirl in a live action portrayal as well. So I, I think that's a good point about Nicole Tom is that she did sort of resemble <laughs> Kara in some ways and. Uh, I was a big fan of The Nanny uh, when it was airing, and so I, I'm a big fan of Nicole Tom and her whole family. They, her, she, I think she has a brother and sister who act. If I'm getting, I've, mm. I think Heather Tom and I forget what the brother's name is, but they've both been on soap operas that I watch because I'm a huge soap opera fan. <laughs> uh, but nice. uh, I think they've both been on The Young and the Restless. I don't know if Nicole has or not, but. Um, but yeah, her whole family is like full of acting greats. So she's she's a uh, she's able to do things with her voice that really uh, carried the character through all the different emotions she has to go through in this episode. Because I, I do think she has kind of an arc. She starts off as you know this is her first mission. This is uh, she's ready to, ju- to jump into it, and then I think she realizes oh this might be a little more difficult than I think it's going to be. Because at one point she tries to get answers from uh, some of those military guys, and she has to physically grab one of them and hoist them up in the air oh, yeah. and, like, demand answers. So she has to really, <laughs> you know, that's not the quirky, fun side of Kara. She's she's really having to be bold in that moment and actually kind of almost a little angry because I think if, if I'm remembering it correctly, she her heat vision sort of... Oh, yeah, she's angry. No, yeah. she... And, yeah. And she picks the guy up and she's like, you know... I'll give you till the count of five. One, four. <laughs> and then she starts with the heat vision and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I think that she she does that really well. And, and she does it in a way that's true to the age of the character. Like she's not trying to make Supergirl sound like anybody else on the Justice League. She's not trying to make her sound super heroic. Um, she sounds like a, you know, 16-year-old girl who happens to have superpowers, which I think is really important too. And I think going along with uh, what you and Michael said about her being possibly being right for the part in real life, uh, you know, certainly at the time, I mean, that's what casting's all about. It's like you, you kind of pick the, choose the right actor for the right role. And yeah, you want somebody who can bring their own life experience to 
the part that you're giving them. So giving it to somebody like Nicole Tom makes a lot of sense because she brings her age and her probably her real life spunk and her probably, you know, like yeah. whatever, you know, it's, she has um, that's appropriate for the part. Now, we uh, <laughs> we talked about Green Arrow um, and her relation, uh, Supergirl's relationship with Green Arrow in the episode. But I do want to delve a little more into her relationship with Captain Adam because uh, I thought it was interesting that she she kind of picked on him specifically. Like of all the, you know, the the rule makers in the Justice League, she seems to to find him like the most stick in the mud out of everybody. And uh, <laughs> let's talk a little about that. And why she picks on him specifically? Well, she she probably felt in in that kind of uh, teenager way. I don't care if you're you're male or female. When an adult questions your ability, you're gonna want to hit back against that. So when she talks about flying the javelin, and he goes, "Is she cleared on that?" It's just you know, of course that's that's gonna set her off. Because yeah. it would set just you know it set any teenager off you know and just and and then they have their little exchange. Captain Adam on this show was a little disappointing to me because I was very used to kind of the the comic book version. Uh, uh, well, there have been several comic book versions of Captain Adam, but the one I was most familiar with was the one from the the, the post crisis DC universe. Who was a uh, you know he was Air Force, but he wasn't military. You know, he wasn't like mm. this guy who's, you know, sitting up straight. You know, he eats, you know, <laughs> kind of like LL yeah. Cool J in Toys, uh, the Robin Williams from <laughs> Toys. He's a, he's a military man. He has a military meal. I can see that very clearly with him. So that's right, why they right. bounce off. I mean, any 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 fiction conflict, and it, that provides a fun little bit of conflict because it's just two different personality types clashing, which is why I liked watching them kind of natter at each other at the beginning of the episode. I liked that even though she sort of has this personality conflict with Captain Adam, she still, and I think this is part of the, the arc in, this, in just this one episode, is that she, she is kind of the youthful, impulsive uh, teenager versus his kind of straight-laced military guy, but she, she finds common ground with him uh, towards the end of the episode when they do have to save the day. And uh, even though she's sassing him, she goes to his aid when he's like zapped up all the energy and falls yeah. falls to the ground and, and it sort of looks like he's dead. And so uh, she, and and after that's over and you we get the relief at the end of the episode, that, oh, maybe Captain Adam's okay. <laughs> he's being, yeah. he's being inflated. And uh, <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's, what it, it's what it looks like to me. And uh, and, and he get no, and he gives her a thumbs up. Like yes. she she's there worried about him, and and he's like he's mostly deflated, but his arms okay. So he lifts it up and gives her a thumbs up, and she's like, okay, cool. Like I love that they have that moment, even though he's essentially just a flattened suit. Yes, yes. So I like that she's she comes to respect him and care about him as as her teammate. And she's actually relieved yeah. when he's okay. So I think that go- it shows so much about Kara's character that she is, she can be silly and she can sass people, but she also really does care about other people. And that's what I liked about her in this episode. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that they, it's a, it's a much better contrast uh, between those two parts of her personality here than it was even in uh, Superman, the animated series. Um, I feel like they kind of ramp up the 
the snark and the, you know, the bluster so that it, it better balances the, the times when she really does um, show respect and she really does want to be a part of the team. Um, and I think it made her more complex in this this version of the character, which I really, really like. Um, yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, she blusters like a teenager and she, she you know, wants to drive the javelin even though she has no business flying that. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> she wants to do all of these things. But at the end of the day, she does care and she does have respect, which I think is is ultimately like she knows what a hero is and she knows that that's what she aspires to be. So for all of her mouthing off, she's she's a, a girl on a mission, too. And she she's like, I want that. I want to be like these people. And she doesn't lose sight of that, which is really cool. Yeah, and I like that even though Green Lantern says it's sort of condescending, he's like, I don't even care who your cousin is. <laughs> I, I I like that it makes her stand out in the Justice League. Like, she's not just Superman's cousin. She is her own character. She's respected yeah. by uh, these other people on the team. And I like that... Uh, <laughs> I even like that moment with Captain Adam and Green Arrow. They're like butting heads. And she comes in yeah. and breaks up the what she calls the alpha male smackdown. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. So and, good. Yeah. And I, I like that she is able to go in there and be like, all right, guys, break it up. And and they kind of, they do. And I like that they respect her enough to kind of try to see eye to eye. Yeah. That's something actually really consistent in her character. Because um, just you reminding me of that moment uh, reminds me of uh, a similar moment in um, the Superman Batman Apocalypse comic where she's, you know, standing, you know, eye to eye with, uh, well, sort of eye to eye with uh, Wonder Woman and Superman. And, uh, you know, Batman's kind of looking at her like anybody who can stare them down is a force to be reckoned with. Right. Like she's somebody who is, doesn't care who you are. If she has a point to make, she's going to make it and not back down, which I think is great. She's, uh, she's somebody who doesn't allow her age to hold her back when she knows she's right. That thing John Stewart said could be seen as condescending, but I also, about him, you know, I don't care who your cousin is, but I, I, I kind of saw it as him kind of tell, like kicking her to, uh, she really has to stand on her own, you know, that mm-hmm. she has to, you know, she's, she's different from every other member of the Justice League because she is related to one of the main people who are, you know, one of the, well, the, the founding members. So I, I kind of saw that, as her, as him quietly kind of telling her that, you know, other people may perceive her in this, in, in this end. So she's got to kind of rise above that mm. and be her mm. own person. Yeah. And, and it's true because, you know, she, for all that she wants to take charge, I feel like sometimes, and in her various incarnations, we've kind of seen her, whether she wants to or not, taking Kal-El's lead, you know, like kind of, not hiding behind him, but but kind of you know, uh, because he's kind of been showing her the ropes and 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 guiding her along, she's kind of used to that, um, and she's kind of used to him kind of being there. And and you're right, I think he's reminding her that part of growing up is is not having that association. And I like that, even though she uh, separates herself and stands out as her own character, she does share the the similar the similar traits that Superman has that they're team players. You know, they, uh, even though Supergirl does have those clashes with Captain Adam, she is right there with him trying to save the day. She helps distract the robot while 
Captain Adam does his thing. And uh, I, I think that's awesome because I think that's exactly what Superman would have done. So I think there are some, some ways that she stands out, but also reflects those same uh, personality traits as her cousin. So I think that both of those things are in there. Well, now, uh, what do the both of you like most about this particular episode? Is your your favorite moment or your, you know, your favorite thing about it as far as it's uh, it being the introduction to Justice League Unlimited or um, uh, it being a great showcase for certain characters? This was a, a, a um, risk on the part of the, the producers because not only – did they knock it down from being basically an hour long episode because for the first two seasons you had two parters. So it was essentially an hour long animated show. You know, you were knocking it down to a half hour and then you were adding all of these other characters in the mix. And I I remember I, I tuned in first night, this, this episode premiered sitting there watching cartoon network waiting for, Bubba Bobo or whatever anime was on before this show that just <laughs> bothered me incessantly. But they, uh, you know, you know, you hear, you go from that nice orchestral theme of the original series to this. Uh, I think Bruce Tim compared it in one of the commentaries to Asia. You know, this kind of rock, you know, rocking type, you know, m- hair metal version of the <laughs> Justice League theme. And, and it was a bit of it took me back, but. What I love is that suddenly they were a team and that they were opening up the DC universe on a bigger level. You know, having Green Arrow there, having Captain Adam there and all of the people that I just sat there, you know, especially even tonight when I was watching this right before we started recording. I was pausing it just to see who was in the background and like to see oh, yeah. there's Adam Smasher and there's Wave Rider and there's Nemesis and there's, you know, uh, Gypsy and all these other people, and it was just like it, 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 it was like sensory overload. But at the heart of this episode, you know, even though you know Supergirl and Green Arrow got to kind of take the lead, it was about how this team reacts in an international setting. They have to go to another country, right? And they have to deal with that that government without creating an international incident, even though they know they they're there to save it. And then Brimstone shows up. And it's like this character from the Legends miniseries from 1986 who was a, a creation of Darkseid. You know, they recast him as this weapon, and I'm just like, this is fantastic. I just, I just, it isn't what do I like most. I love everything about this episode. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> That's such a good point about how they had to respect the authorities in the different countries and, and the, the cultures and everything, because I think Martian Manhunter even acknowledges that in the episode. Cause I, I think they, they as the justice league are like, we can fix this. We can help with this. We just need to go in there and do it. And Martian Manhunter's like, no, we have to abide by the rules of the places where we're going. And I think that's yeah. a really fascinating kind of thing to put in there, put in, even in, in a cartoon like this, there's, you know, there's a lot of funny things that happen, but there's also a lot of serious real world things that go on in this story. Definitely. I mean, I, I think that uh, having that be an issue um, highlights really well the uh, both Green Arrow and uh, Supergirl's impetuousness. Like it kind of takes that, you know, the 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 small, uh, you know, interpersonal 
um, impetuousness and brings it, you know, makes it bigger and puts it on a global stage. Um, so it's like you see how it's wrong when you do that to annoy Captain Adam. <laughs> now multiply that by a million, and that's how wrong it is to do it, you know, to a country. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a great kind of showcase for that that theme of hey, just because you can help somebody doesn't mean you should help them uh, in a way that's uh, that they might not necessarily want or need. Right. Um, and that's uh, honestly that's one of the f- most fascinating things about any superhero story for me. It's like where do you draw that line? Because you know, obviously all these uh, superpowered beings could just jump in and solve any problem. But just because Superman, uh, you know, thinks he can stop a home burglary by, like, breaking down my wall and, like, you know, <laughs> grabbing somebody who's trying to steal my TV doesn't mean that's the best way to handle it because now <laughs> I have a broken wall. Right. So you kind of got to measure out how you're helping versus what the impact is going to be on the person you're helping. And, you know, as far as the show itself, Justice League Unlimited as a show. Um, now, I have only seen like a handful of episodes uh, from this series. Um, and I can tell you what, you know, what I like about those episodes and the general tone of the show. But you two are probably more familiar with it than I am. Uh, what do you think about the series as a whole? It is one of the purest distillations of the DC universe ever. Uh, they, you know, they had done it with Batman. They kind of boiled Batman down to his essence and all of his char- all the side characters to their essences, and they gave us, in my opinion, the single greatest adaptation of that character in media. And they did the same with Superman. So with Justice League, the 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 first two seasons of Justice League, you know, non unlimited, you know, they they kind of opened up the gates a little bit and, you know, kind of gave glimpses of like the broader DC universe and brought in classic villains and, you know, took things on kind of a more galactic scale and you had Darkseid and you had all these other things. But with Unlimited, they suddenly said, okay, we have all these characters to play with. And over now, the, the box set says season one and season two. That's a bit misleading because there's a, there were actually three seasons of Justice League Unlimited. And that may seem pedantic, but it bugs me when I see these things. So I, yeah. I have to talk about them. Otherwise, you know, I, I have an aneurysm. But <laughs> they busted open their who's who in the DC universe and started doing these fantastic stories and not every episode was, you know, like the most amazing thing ever. But in the first season, they really started doing kind of like done-in-ones until the uh, the end where they had like a two-parter that involved time travel. Which is so but then, good. Uh, yeah, the once and future things. Yeah. Just, it's just, it's so, everything about it is win. But then in the second season, and they can kind of continue it in the third, they started doing these these story arcs. Which is kind of hard, which was kind of, you know, like a risky thing again, because Cartoon Network didn't seem to know what to do with Justice League at all. I mean, they kept moving the time period. They kept like there would be like weeks between new episodes. So we're able to make it a continued story and get you invested on that level. And Supergirl is a huge part of that in the second season of Justice League Unlimited. You know, she's she's kind of at the focal point, which which I thought was cool because it again called back to things that happened in the in Superman the animated series. So I just I love it. I will watch this once a year. I will sit down and watch from first episode of Justice League all the way to the last episode of Justice League Unlimited 
once a year without fail. And I always get really sad at the end of that last episode because <laughs> I want more. I just want more of this. And the fact that there wasn't, you know, it was just really disappointing. <laughs> it still is, really. Yeah, for for me, like my favorite moment with Kara in this episode, I think is probably the one at the end with Captain Adam as he's being reinflated. <laughs> um, but I, I think I would echo uh, a lot of what Michael said uh, about the show as a whole was that when I watch it, I, it just makes me happy. Like if I'm feeling down or whatever, I'll, I'll pop in an episode and it just kind of brightens your day. And I, I think that's, what's uh, so fun about it is that in, in contrast to say justice league, they, they, they talk on the, the DVD special features about how that, that, that adaptation, that series was a little more serious and mm-hmm. had more epic fights and things like that. And, uh, concentrated more about you know the bad guys and the villains and everything, but Justice League Unlimited had the opportunity to kind of revamp itself and add more comedic elements to the Justice League. So you see stories where Wonder Woman gets turned into a pig and Batman has to <laughs> <laughs> Batman has to sing to to turn her back. So there there am I blue. <laughs> So there, there are, there are, there are sorry, fun sorry. things like that where, you know, like, awesome. like the Justice League gets turned into kids uh, and and they have their little moments uh, where they interact with each other at, you know, as a young and at a younger age. So there, yeah. there are elements like that. But but then at the same time, Justice League Unlimited had stories like this episode where it did talk about different countries and uh, different military presences. And um, it did have some heavy things like time travel and even the serious episodes like uh, the one with Superman where he uh, has this, I guess he's sort of dreaming. You'll have to help me out with this, Michael. I forget what the title is. Uh, uh, the, for the man who can't. For the man who has everything. The for the adaptation man who has everything. of the annual. Yes, yes. For the man who has everything. I was like, I don't know the wording. Uh, huh. But but that one's a little more serious because you deal with uh, Superman kind of dreaming that he has this life with Lois and a son on Krypton. So, it it has a good mix. This series, Justice League Unlimited, has a really good mix of serious stories and very character centric stories, but also being able to uh, have bright stories with comedic elements to it. And that's I think that's what I like about Justice League Unlimited. And I, I'm actually looking at the DVD set right now, and Kara is very prominent on it. Uh, yeah. I have uh, I don't know. It's the DC Comics Classic Collection. Uh, and uh, Kara is right up there with, you know, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. There's a little Martian Manhunter back there. Yeah, and, he's and, like in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Dr. Fate's there. But Kara is right up there with all of them. And she's even on the back. And so uh, she gets a mention in the description. So, um, you know, Supergirl has a very prominent... Uh, part of JLU, and I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I love that that they do use her in that way, and they and they um, promote her as much as they do. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. And also, I, I like what you said about um, you know the balance on the show between the comedic stuff and the the harder hitting uh, themes that they might approach. Um, what I like of what I've seen about Justice League Unlimited so far is that it's still very much a show that the whole family can watch. But then they will hit on certain themes that 
are difficult, but, you know, they're also not trying to dumb them down either. Like, for example, uh, I, re- I saw noticed that uh, death is, you know, a big theme in this episode that we watched. Um, you know, you have Superman making his speech at the beginning and he says something to the effect of, all of you know what it takes to be a hero and, it, and are willing to make the sacrifices that, uh, that a hero needs to make, even the ultimate one. Right. You know, and it's like we all know what the ultimate one is and he doesn't need to say it. And I think it's interesting that they, you know, obviously you want to make this appropriate for all ages who want to watch it. But they don't shy away from it either because kids aren't stupid. You know, they know things and they they know that, um, you know, there's always a danger that, you know, any of these these heroes that are out there saving the world, there might come a time when one of them doesn't come back. And I think it's cool that they they keep it appropriate, but they don't shy away from something like that. And then later in the episode, you know, Captain Adam, he goes to – he's going to put one of those um, – I forget what they're – one of those rods. In, he's going to put it into the front of right. – uh, yeah. And, you know, he goes to do that and Green Arrow says, you know, you might not come back. And he's like – and all he says is, you know, tell the Justice League. If this doesn't work, tell the Justice League. They'll know what to do. Hmm. So it's like this kind and, – and Green Arrow shakes his hand at that point, kind of acknowledging like you're being really brave right now. Like you could be going out there to risk your life to save this country. <laughs> and uh, so little things like that where they, they, they touch on really deep themes um, but do it in a way that is, is sensitive enough that like if you have a little kid watching – they can take it in without being overwhelmed. I thought that was cool. That's such a great point. I like that they, number one, acknowledge that even superheroes can die. Yeah. That they're, they're not invincible. I mean, even if they are <laughs> invulnerable sometimes with, a, right. as one of their powers, there, there are instances where something could happen to them. And I think yeah. that's, that's really cool because then that they gives you a sense of danger it, uh, it it raises the stakes for all of them. You you don't know that everything's going to be okay in an episode. Something might go wrong. And yeah. I also like what you were talking about, about the moment between Green Arrow and Captain Adam, that they don't just inspire us as the viewers, they inspire each other. So mm-hmm. I, think, <laughs> I think that's really cool because I think you even see that with Supergirl and Captain Adam. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe even Supergirl with you know, Green Lantern and some of those other folks. So I, I like the idea that the superheroes are superheroes for a reason, that they are willing to pay that ultimate sacrifice and in turn inspire each other. And I think that um, the fact that each of them kind of, you know, even Superman, you know, has a weakness, you know, <laughs> like they all have weaknesses mm-hmm. and it kind of shows, you know, anybody watching that, no matter what weaknesses you have, there's still the there's you know the other side of the coin, which is you can also be a hero, because all of these heroes that you might see as as you know invulnerable all have weaknesses too. So you know it's like if they can do it, you can do it, and you don't need superpowers to be a hero because everybody has a weakness, everybody has a strength, and you know you kind of just need to find that and work it. And now I'm going to cry, so let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Life lessons, everybody. Life lessons. Um, well, I think uh, unless anybody has any parting thoughts um, about the episode, I think that wraps up our discussion of initiation. Any final thoughts from either one of you before we move on? If you have never seen this show, go out and buy it right now. Just go to, <laughs> go to Amazon. Yeah, they're probably kind of cheap at this point. Buy both box sets and just set aside some time because it's going to be – 
it's going to be so much fun. I really envy anybody who gets to see these for the first time because it's just, <laughs> just well, the yeah, excitement. That's pretty much me because um, <laughs> I, I used to watch these with um, a kid that I used to babysit because, um, uh, hey, Caleb, wherever you are, <laughs> super DC. I was sitting him. He was seven at the time. Now he's much older, which makes me feel old. Um, but he, uh, he loved the show, but I only watched the episodes that I was watching with him. So I watched them out of order um, and I only watched a handful. Uh, now with initiation, now I – because I have um, season one on DVD and now I get to go through these for the first time in order and appreciate the whole story as it unfolds. So I'm excited about that. You're in for a treat. Yay. If you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash supergirlradio. You can follow us on Twitter at supergirlradio. Check out our exclusive pictures over at instagram.com slash supergirlradio. And we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you have time, we encourage you to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. So, uh, Michael, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, my blog uh, site, whatever you want to call it, is called The Fortress of Baileytude, which is at fortressofbaileytude.com. There you can also find the uh, Superman show I do, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, where Jeffrey Taylor and I are going through, in order, the entire post-crisis uh, Superman comic book experience uh, which uh, we try to do every Thursday. I'm also a staff writer over at the Superman homepage, and every Monday night at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, uh, Steve Eunice, the webmaster, uh, which is an archaic term at this point, but it's still used, <laughs> uh, the webmaster and I get together to do Radio KAO Live, where we talk about the latest in Superman and, uh, recently, uh, Supergirl news. So uh, you can check, the, check me out there, too. Great. Um, for me, uh, all the same places. Uh, my blog is the Teresa Giacino Experience, which you can find at teresagiacino.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Teresa Giacino. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, that is facebook.com slash Teresa Giacino Experience. And uh, I'm at Patreon, patreon.com slash Teresa Giacino. And I write regularly. I'm on the staff at The Mary Sue. So check us out at themarysue.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, which is D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And I just recently learned that Michael is actually uh, on one of my videos, which <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> uh, until recently that uh, he was a... Uh, on a Batman panel that I went to at Dragon Con this past year. So, Oh my God, that's hilarious. So check him out on uh, my Dragon Con, uh, I guess that was 2014. Uh, that was so weird. That was, uh, <laughs> I'm just watching this video, enjoying it, and there I am talking about the Batcave, and it's just like, I remember that morning because it was very early. It was, it was, it was very oh. early. But it, it was one of my favorite panels at Dragon Con, so uh, uh, check Michael out on that video. If you go to uh, Rebecca's YouTube channel, you get Michael as well. That's right. Um, <laughs> um, thank you again so much, Michael, for, uh, for joining us again. We love having you. And listeners out there, join us next time when we will be checking out uh, Supergirl Candor. Till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. 
And even though we can be headstrong, unprofessional, and reckless, we're always trying to do good. 